What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts for today, Simon Villanos. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. And today we got a new series, part of our summer series, you could say. We are covering QB1. I want to say it's either Season 3 or Season 4. And this is the season with five-star quarterback Spencer Rattler from Arizona who committed to Oklahoma. Lance Lejean, the four-star dual threat from New Orleans, who eventually ended up going to Maryland. And then Nick Scazzo from Florida. He is a three-star to Kentucky. I believe he's still there right now. And so um, on this season, we are going episode by episode. We are watching it and really just reacting, talk about the great things uh, that it has to provide, some of the perspectives that it provides when it comes to football. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the setup of QB1, Basically, it follows three quarterbacks. Uh, usually, there's like a very high-rated one, so that's you know Spencer Rattler here. One in the middle, that's Lance, and then kind of a low-rated quarterback, and in this case, that is Nick. And so, basically, it follows these players throughout their senior year, throughout their senior season, and kind of just follows their story and whatnot, which is really cool. Um, if you are familiar with that one TV show, the drama that is Friday Night Lights, it is the same producers who brought that. And then, you know, in previous seasons, they have covered the likes of Justin Fields, Jake Fromm, DJ Uigalele, uh, all those great players that are now stars in college football. But you know what? We're going to go ahead and get this thing started. We got three episodes on deck for this uh, for this episode of the Playmakers Corner, that is. And so, Cody, do you want to go ahead and get this thing started, uh, <clears throat> starting with episode one? Yeah, so this first segment we'll be covering episode one. And honestly, there's not a whole lot that happens, but I think it's important for the listeners to know. And it was important for us to watch as well, just to get a bit, little bit of background and get, you know, kind of a description on some of these guys. And so I'll actually start with uh, Nick Scalzo's story. You know, I think I believe heading into the show, he was the number 21 rated dual threat quarterback. Yes. Um, so, you know, three stars. And like you said, the lowest rated of them. And Nick, down there in Florida, he has a very interesting <laughs> dynamic, I'd say, is the way that i put it. You know, you could tell right off the bat, just like the fiscal privilege that he has and kind of it means he's rich yeah okay yes he's nick is loaded and his family is loaded and it kind of it kind of left a bad first impression to me when like his mom is like picking up the dog poop for him because he won't do it like while his friends are over yeah while his friends are over so like that was kind of whack in my opinion i know that it put a simon this is your third time watching it might be my fourth. I watched it with my little brother a couple times because he loves like the aesthetic of the show too. So yeah, it's, it's very it's been a well couple shot. times around. It's yeah. very well shot, I should oh, yeah. say, uh, especially when you get into games. But we oh, won't. Yeah. We don't get into any of that on the first episode, unfortunately. But uh, we do get to meet the characters, and Nick Scalzo is totally this like frat guy, essentially in the in the wings. You know, wait, waiting. <laughs> like, you know what I mean, though, by that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, you know, this guy's gonna join freaking Kai Pai Kai or something when he gets to freaking Kentucky, right? And you know, he, he's all swagged out. And I say, I would say, first off, the media day for that Florida team is unlike any of the other media days that we see. 
in episode one. I mean, yes. Lance doesn't really have like a media day, really. I mean, they they take like, pictures on their football field, which is what normal high school football yeah, players it, do. It, Lance's program, I think it's uh, Easton. Warren Easton, yeah. Warren Easton, yeah. They're definitely the most grounded football team that you'll see in this entire show, just as far as, like, everyday relatable high school football. And then and then you have Spencer Rattler's school, which is, you know... Well, they're, they're, they're a public they're a, school. Well, no, no, they're a public school, but, like, they have clout, you know, because of the recent success that they've had. Oh, sure, and, yeah. And good facilities. And they have a more fleshed-out kind of, like, media presence, at least... Spencer does because he's the top-rated quarterback in the country, right? Yeah, five so like, star. there's lots of, you know, ratings for that, obviously, and lots of incentives for media to be there. And then this Florida school has a couple of recruits. They have that four-star defensive end, and Nick Scalzo being the three-star uh, quarterback there. But they have like the biggest media day out of any of them. By a pretty significant amount. I'd yeah, say. I would say the fanciest media day. So obviously, yeah. you know, they did interviews and all that great stuff. Um, by the way, uh, in in that Miami Dolphin Stadium, I want to say it's Hard Rock. Hard Rock. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, which is which is really cool. I always like the vibe of that stadium, anyways. But uh, either way, you know, they did their interviews. They did like a bunch of photo shoots, like not just like team pictures, but like you know, magazine covers. Yeah, very magazine esque covers, like stuff you would see on like. Um, not Sports Center, Sport Illustrated. Stuff you'd see on Sport Illustrated. Uh, just very, very. I mean, it's not fabricated, but it's like uh, a professional is what I should say. Very professional, you know, and that's cool. It, they got some good pictures in there, good senior pictures, I'm sure. And you know, they interviewed Nick before the season started. And uh, look, I, the whole privilege thing, you know, financial privilege thing. I think it throws both of us off. Um, partly, and I'm just going to admit this, partly because we did not come from a very financially privileged households. Either of us, that is. And so... <laughs> Please blow up Playmaker's Corner. Yeah, well, you know, do what you want, but also don't do what you want. But anyways, Nick Scalzo and his family being the way they are, you know, you see the big house, you see the huge backyard, which... By the way, basically has like a million trees like acting as a fence, which is wild to me. I, I don't know. And a pool. <clears throat> oh, yeah, and a pool. This is all in the backyard, by the way. And, uh, um, you know, a whole patio and all this great stuff. That's cool, man. Um, you know, I'm not trying to hate on that success. It's not Nick's success now. It's his parents. Let's keep that real. You know, let's keep that real there. But it definitely throws you off a little bit there. He, he, he fits the bill. Pretty well, like you said, Cody. He fits the bill pretty well, and it's it's hard to defend him when, when you kind of just have all that stereotypical things going into it, and he kind of leans into that pretty hard too. No lie, he leans into it pretty hard. So, there you go. And maybe it's because how the show is framed, but it's if if you're not like from that kind of lifestyle, it's very off-putting and it's very obvious. And you know, we'll we'll see how that pans out as we move on. But but there you go. Sorry, go ahead, Cody. I kind of just stole the mic from you for no, a second. No, no, you, you said what you needed to say, but, uh, I mean, that's, I don't really have too much to add on to Nick Scalzo from episode one. There's obviously more more to talk about, and you'll see as we go through, we'll kind of talk about it player by player, basically, is how we have our notes set up, so that's probably how it's going to go for most of these episodes or segments. But, you know, that's kind of, that's Nick Scalzo, you know. Lowest ranked quarterback of the three, but yep. definitely the most privileged, I'd say. Yeah, he'll 
he'll and, be fine either we'll, way. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll we'll learn more about him in the coming episodes. But then uh, the the show's opening actually starts with Warren Easton out in that um. They, they went out, out to the, the bayou. Yeah, out in the bayou, bro. <laughs> and they're all waking up. What do they say? Like four? Was it four in the morning? Four fifteen? It yeah. It was. It was still dark outside, <clears throat> and they were running laps and stuff with like flashlights and coaches on ATVs like following them and getting them moving and I thought that was a great tone setter for A. Warren Easton and B. The Show. Yes. I It kind of gave me, I don't know if you want to say it, nostalgic flashbacks or PTSD, but like <laughs> those really early morning Whoa. workouts. Yeah. Now, we never like had a cabin or anything like that, but you know when we would go to our camps, you know, further down in the state or anything like that or you know, go, go play games really far away and have hotels and stuff. Like, <laughs> waking up early in the morning is a vibe of some kind, is the way that I'll describe it. It is. I think nostalgia plays a very big role in it. Um, for me, at least, you know, I grew, grew up down in Dallas, and so, uh, unfortunately, I moved to Colorado before I could do all that great stuff. But I was able to visit, you know, training camps like that and see what that's kind of like. And it's... I don't know. It, it, for me, it felt very homey. Like, like this is what Texas teams do. This is what Louisiana teams do. It's part of it. This is what you do in August, in the summer, getting ready for your season, right? Um, it's a great team-building thing, and, you know, it's just you and the squad. I think they said no phones out there as well. And so they really had a lot of time to bond, and you saw that. Um, and, you know, there's nothing like bonding, like working out together at 4 a.m. and um, you know, coming together to, to dislike the coaches <laughs> for doing it. Because you know that's a deal. As coaches right now, we know, like, you know, that's that's definitely a bring-the-team-together type of vibe right there. But, you know, love seeing that. Um, the thing that really stood out to me in this kind of whole opening scene, uh, and this is something that I really liked, is when they all gathered up, and then they're writing down reasons why they play football. Why they do it, right? And then they put it in this big old metal box that looks like a like a toolbox, like one of those old ones. And this is an important thing to remember because, you know, <laughs> in passing scenes throughout this the rest of this season, you just see that toolbox sitting around there. And, like, I think it's very telling, too. And this is probably the artistic side of QB1. But, you know, whenever something significant is about to happen or, you know, the producers want you to pick up on a certain vibe... They always just pan over to the toolbox. You see it. It's it's not very, like, you know, it's not like they do it for a good 10 seconds. It's very subtle. Like, maybe a second right before they transition into another scene here. But I think that's something to keep in mind here moving forward. Um, because, you know, I you could say that's a very cliche thing. I, did you do that in high school? Was that what you were saying? No. No, oh, I was okay. saying that I really liked it, and I wouldn't yeah. mind doing it. I think because I might have, but go ahead, yeah. I just I just liked how genuine it felt, you know, like For sure. the, the Warren Easton coaches, I love the coaching staff. I think that they're really genuine and you know, as someone who grew up playing high school football in Colorado, that's not always the vibe. Um yes. with, with coaching staffs. So it was refreshing to see a coaching staff that was so invested and, and really did care so much. <clears throat> For sure, yeah, no, for sure. So, so there you go. But I, I think I might have done it, and I think it always means more when it's just the football team. Because when we did it, I think they're like trainers and like they're just too many people there. You know, I think for this type of for this thing to work, it just has to be you and the team, 
And there can't be too many people in there affecting that decision. You just gotta... It just has to be from the heart. That's all it has to be. So, there you go. But Cody, why don't you go ahead and talk about your boy Spencer Rattler since you are an OU fan. This must be an exciting TV series for us to watch. Yes. I... So, I didn't really know too much about Rattler until he got to OU. So, it was nice... It's nice to see where he's at in high school. Everyone knows who Spencer Rattler is in the town, in the community. Every other opposing football player and coach knows who Spencer Rattler is. He obviously garners a lot of respect and probably quite a bit of envy in the state of oh, Arizona. Yeah. Um, and and the best part about it and is he knows it, obviously. Like, he knows he's the top-rated quarterback, and he, and he acts it, and he lives up to it, both on and off the field, I'd say. Like, he's a very competitive guy, and, you know, that's something that I picked one at his time at OU, but it's nice to see that he's kind of always been that way. You know, like, even during, like, one-on-ones in practice, like, he wants to win so bad. And if you mess up, he's going to let you know about it at JD. Um, JD Johnson. <laughs> yeah, JD Johnson, uh, who was also... Yeah, if you didn't know, JD Johnson backed up Spencer Rattler in high school, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But anyways, you know, he's... Something from this first episode kind of a vibe that I got initially was that he kind of seemed like he was already at OU a little bit. Sure. And so initially, I thought that there may be some concerns on focus or something like that for the for the current high school season. We'll talk a little bit more about some other episodes and how that kind of gets disproven. But, you know, I'd say that's kind of the vibe I was getting. So, I mean, would you agree from that first episode at least it's like, is Spencer Rattler going to be tuned in for his senior year of high school specifically? Yeah, no, that's de- that was definitely a vibe. I think for me, because I watched this like like all of QB1 in order, and so the season before, they covered Justin Fields over in Georgia. And, you know, Justin Fields, he wasn't like... Like, he wasn't the consensus five-star, even four-star guy going into his senior year. It was really after the Elite 11 where he gained all that clout because he beat out Trevor Lawrence to win the Elite 11 MVP. And, you know, in case you don't know much about the Elite 11, QB1, like all this stuff, usually if you win the Elite 11 MVP, that means that you're guaranteed to go to the NFL. Uh, Because other guys who have won it, you know, you could throw out Tua, um, Jameis Winston, Mariota, all, like, they've done it, right? And so winning the Elite 11 MVP, first off, being there is a huge honor. But winning MVP means you're the best quarterback in this class are one of the best usually and they hardly miss this is something that's gone back 20 years almost so pretty much every quarterback in the nfl right now um have been at the elite 11 at some point in their life no matter how low-key they've been you know jared goff and matthew stafford as well those are some other guys i wanted to throw out there so there you go and so with that being said justin fields even though he was not committed and you know Spoiler alert, Justin Fields committed at the end of uh, his season of QB1 to Georgia. Uh, And then, you know, you know the whole deal. He transferred from Georgia to Ohio State, went to the NFL. And the whole time he was in high school, and this is the biggest difference here, he already seemed like he was checked out. Like, he was just, he was gone, you know. Like, he was already at the next level. And he hadn't even committed yet. Spencer here already committed to OU maybe a year ago uh, from the start of this season. And so I kind of had some of those 
worries at first, but right off the bat, at least in my opinion, just in this episode one, you could tell that Spencer is not Justin Fields. And you could tell he was already more bought in than Justin Fields was, you know, his first day, first year uh, as a senior. And so I wasn't as worried, but that's mostly because I got to see Justin Fields play a little bit more detached at times at times of uh, the season before. So, Yeah, the contrast. Yeah, yeah. It, it was already a big difference, for sure. And it wasn't like, you know... Fields was being disrespectful or anything like that, but you could tell he's like, you know, either that Elite 11 hype bot, you know, got to him or whatever, but you could tell he was out of there. Yeah. So. One last thing before we wrap up this segment on episode one. I wanted to talk about uh, Lance Lejeune here. Yeah. Who was committed, <clears throat> uh, might as well, is committed to Kansas at this point in time of episode one. Mm-hmm. He's a Kansas University commit. This is a few years ago, so this is before the whole Les Miles thing came out. So, obviously, it, it worked out for the best. Um, I don't think Les Miles was the coach back then. He though. wasn't the coach back then? Well, it might have been close. It could have been really close, though. He was. It's it's really close, but it's definitely yeah. before the whole scandal was popped Yes, up, yes. Right? So, yeah. like, you know, Kansas... We know Kansas in football. They're kind of trash. So, like... I mean, they um, weren't good anyway. So yeah, yeah, they they kind of always been bad, low key. Um, but you know, Lance, I'd say my first reaction to him is he's very soft spoken, and so I was thinking for him, like leadership would be the trait that he'd have to develop the most, or at least like you don't always have to be a vocal leader. But I was interested to see how his leadership dynamic was going to work because he kind of definitely keeps to himself for the most part and isn't like super vocal. You know, like he'll converse. Yeah. But he's not going to be, like, yelling or, like, be the energy for this team. No, he's more of a steady, like, energy, relaxed, chill vibes type of guy for sure. Um, Which isn't a bad thing, but it's interesting seeing between Lance and Spencer the difference in their leadership skills. Because Spencer is definitely way more vocal, way more, like, he is the energy, you know. He's all the energy, good and bad, to be honest with you. Lance, you know, he could... You know, his energy's a little bit different, and so it tends to blend into the background a little bit more. And I and I don't even want to talk about Nick, so we'll we'll keep it going. Well, and, and during the first few practices, you know, Lance is taking it pretty easy because he hurt his arm the year before, I think. Um, yes. He tore something. Tore, yeah, he tore his labrum. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, so he, at practice, you know, he was definitely, like, taking it a little easy and wasn't sure, like, like he was pacing himself, right? And you could tell that some of the team is, like, in disarray um, at the beginning of these practices. And the Warren Easton coaches yeah. were not happy about it. But I'd Stayed say... on them for it. Yeah, so I'd say overall, with uh, Nick Scalzo, you have a bunch of talented cats on that team on Episode 1. And you have a lot of hype. And, you know, for being the lowest-rated quarterback, he really does act like he's the highest-rated quarterback. And then for Spencer Rattler, you know, this first episode... There's obviously really high expectations. The chip on his shoulder is that he doesn't have a state championship yet. So is he going to buy in and bring that state championship home? And with Lance, Warren Easton hasn't won a state championship in... Wait, did they say ever? Or was it like over 50 years? It was like in the 40s. And to be honest with you, whenever somebody says, I won a football championship in the 40s, I just think World War II, so it doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest, it doesn't count. Because, hey, if everyone's at war, then how are you going to win a championship? How is that legitimate if most of the men are at war that play your sport? Just think about that. 
The entire 40s. The entire 40s. That is... And by the way, that's not just high school. That is high school, for sure, because you know people were, you know, enlisting kind of early anyways. Plus, we could talk about emotional trauma, but we won't. And then we have college, for sure. Pros, easily, you know. I'm pretty sure they stopped playing at one point. And there's another point where the Steelers and Eagles had to combine. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't count. So, basically, they would be winning the first one if they won this season. Yeah, so that's the scene at Warren Easton. And uh, coming up next, we'll see kind of uh, some gameplay in episode two. All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We are continuing to cover QB1. We're going to go ahead and move on and go to episode two. And so we finally... Finally get some gameplay from, well, I guess it's only from Spencer, but we're getting started. And so this is the first game of the year, of the 2019-2020 season, I want to say. No, sorry, 2018-2019 season is what it is. And so we got to give a quick shout out. <laughs> we, have <to> give, <laughs> we have to give a quick shout out here. To the Perry Pumas over in Arizona. That is our boy, Zach Klein's old high school. I believe Brock Purdy went there as well. He's now the Iowa State quarterback and has been and has been a standout there. It's not Brock Purdy playing in this game, though, by the way. At least I don't believe so. And so, Perry High School, uh, before this season... Um, as in in QB1, I believe they're the runner-up, so they lost in state. And so they're a pretty good squad. They're returning most of their players. And so this is kind of a heck of a heck of a game to start off your season because they're not like an easy opponent by any means. Usually you kind of want like a tune-up type of game. And obviously it's high school, so you can't control everything. But that was just a deck of cards they were handed. And it was a heck of a game. It was pretty close. I think the first half they were just going blow for blow. Um... I want to say, uh, we'll, we'll get to that later, actually. But it was just score after score. You know, they're going back and forth. It was going to be one of those slugfest t- type of games. Just saying, like, okay, you know, we're just going to go back and forth. We're going to score. And, you know, the team that doesn't score first loses. And, you know, if that happens, then they're going to lose momentum and it's over. And so, basically, it was kind of a shootout to get this thing started. And, you know, Spencer Rattler, he was on top of it, led a bunch of very good drives. Uh, he was on his game. And I think there was one point in the game, I don't know if this is the third or fourth quarter, but you made this note of it, Cody. But you said he made or had a questionable moment in the game. Not like he wasn't in the game, but he was on the sideline watching the defense play. But he said, man, we got to do everything, you know. And then JD, the backup quarterback, JD Johnson, uh, you said put him back in his place saying, um, you know, this is your team and all that, and, you know, it is what it is. You got to go make plays. And so Spencer Rather go, goes ahead, lives up to the hype, and outlasts, well, not just him, but this whole team outlasts Perry High School in their game. It was a pretty high-scoring game. I don't exactly remember the score, but we're talking 40s to 40, 50s to 40s uh, in that type of range there. And, you know, Spencer had a heck of a game, and, you know, that's how they start out their season. And so, Cody... What did you think about that game, about that moment, and just all of it, just to start off this episode here? Well, I always think it's it's funny uh, watching one of our buddies' old high schools get smacked around a little <laughs> bit because, I mean, it was a high-scoring game. It was a pretty good game, but, you know, at the end, uh, Pinnacle, 
right? Yes. Yeah, Pinnacle pulled ahead and won by, I want to say, like, two or three touchdowns, I think, by the end of the game. Yeah. Like... And it wasn't like a blowout. Like I said, it was pretty close for at least three-fourths of the game. It was close for most of the game. Like, they were responding back and forth. The defense did force a few turnovers on Perry, you know, so... It was very interesting to see Spencer react the way that he did. Um, And this will be kind of a common theme where, you know, I mean, Spencer will own up to his mistakes, but... He does more than call out others on their mistakes, is is the way that I'll put it. Sure. And, you know, I, I think that... Uh, and I was telling Simon about that, talking to Simon about this, JD and Spencer's dynamic is, at least through two episodes, a really good dynamic, in my opinion. Yes. Where, you know, they do a good job of calling each other up for the most part, Spencer calling JD out more often than calling him up, but... You know, and and JD does a great job of kind of grounding Spencer is is oh, the yeah. way that I'll put it because oh, yeah. he he reminds Spencer like hey like like you said we just go do our thing and we're gonna win this football game mm-hmm. right like and and the defense is a part of the team too like we're in this together you know because Spencer is definitely one of those guys who just like you know he gets really heated in the moment because he knows that the defenses are his teammates right like he loves his teammates he loves playing. You know, at Pinnacle and playing for everybody and with everybody. It's, but it's just in the moment, he can get super hype. And we'll talk. There's some great content later about when Spencer really starts to get heated. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it, in this episode, it, it was just kind of refreshing that, like, even though Spencer's like, hey, you know, I'm that guy. I'm the five star quarterback. I'm the highest rated quarterback in the nation. His teammates are able to bring him back down, you know, to the moment. And he responds, right? Because, I mean, there's a lot of... There's <laughs> quarterbacks in this show, even, that, you know... Or a quarterback in this show, where, um, you know, they could try and be called out, but they're just going to deflect it, or they're going to blame it on this or that, or whatever. They don't you take know? it and on they, the chin. They, yeah, they don't take... They don't come back down. And Spencer, Spencer comes back down, and rallies and you know just plays his game and, and they smack around Perry and they end up coming out with a good win to start the season and showing the state of Arizona what they're about really yeah no for sure because you gotta remember the narrative leading up to not just this, this game but the whole season is that Spencer rather can't get it done in the big games that's what it is uh, whether you like it or not five star you know lead 11 whatever he can't get it done in the big games he's somebody that and that's the reason why he hasn't won a state championship game, and that's the reason why he's not never going to be the greatest, uh, you could say, quarterback or football player of all time in Arizona history, which, you know, that that's reaching a little bit. But you know people are saying that. And so for him to come out here and not only take those punches to the face, because not, I'm not going to lie, there are multiple, multiple times throughout this entire game where he could have folded, where... You know, it eventually hit a point where neither of us would have been surprised if he ran out of juice, um, just going back and forth, because he had to muster a lot. Like, this wasn't an easy win. This was the type of game where he needed to play four really good quarters of football just to stay into it. And he did, and that's why they won. But even if he had one off quarter, that might have been it, you know? Uh, off quarter as in he even had one turnover. And I don't think he had a turnover. I couldn't. I don't think so either. Yeah, whether it's a fumble or interception, whatever. So he played a very good game, and that's the kind of thing that makes him a five-star guy. You know, you see, you start to see why. Like, dang, obviously you got the throws and all that. That's great, the athleticism. But 
you start to see why Spencer Rattler is a five-star guy, why he's that bounce-back type of talent that's going to keep you in there as long as you get him the ball back. And why he's committed to QBU. All right, so <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> but no, you're right. You're right, though. Uh, I mean, he's I going back to that real quick. I think Lincoln Riley talking to this kid. Um, first off, you know, like I said, you see the talent. You could see that through clips. But it's not surprising that Lincoln Riley could have talked to this kid and instantly fall in love with just who he is as a player because he's a very charismatic leader and person altogether. Um, there are a lot of scenes that we're just not going to talk about right now because they're like minor scenes, but there are a lot of scenes throughout, you know, these first two episodes and this season that kind of just solidifies your belief in Spencer Adler as a person because he's just relatable. Like, you know, he's a charismatic dude. Like, you like the guy, you know? Like, even if you don't like the guy, you like the guy because he'll put respect on your name too if you show it. So... There you go. I think that's there, important. There's a lot of there. laughs too. Oh yeah, with, he's with a funny Spencer guy. Scenes. Like yeah. we we have a great <laughs> like I say overall like fun part of the show is, is just getting to know Spencer. Oh and yeah, who he is. Yeah, that's that's the fun part. And I know I know people who who are at OU right now and and have had classes with Spencer and they say the same thing. So so there you go. We're not going to give him a shout out though because I don't want to give them that. That boomer sooner, baby. But anyways, but anyways um, go I, ahead, go ahead. I also just wanted to say uh, we didn't really talk about his home life, but um, you know, I I really like his family. They they all Same. have each other's backs. Um, family of athletes. It looks like his younger sister is a varsity volleyball player as a sophomore. I think. Yeah. So you know that's impressive, especially at a school that's as renowned for athletes as pinnacle is what i'll say and you know um he's dating like the captain of the volleyball team and you know his dad and mom have a good head on their shoulders and they do a great job of kind of guiding him through this process as well and also keeping him humble for um, sure for sure there's a lot of things to like uh good parenting all together you know so we'll we'll leave it at that though but cody do you want to go ahead and get this thing going and talk about a little bit about Lance here. I don't think they played or no, they yes, did they play did. a game. Sorry. They did play a game. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, Oh my gosh. Warren Easton and, and Lance Lejean here. Okay. So there, this is the episode where there's seeds of doubt being planted on Lance's quote, quote unquote commitment to, to KU. Right. Because this yes. is where he talks about, you know, I hurt my arm last year, and I was scared about not getting more offers, mm -hmm. so I just committed. And this is something that a lot of high schoolers can relate to, you know? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, injuries, they really can take away a bunch of offers all at once, right? So he's, this is where you really just know, like, Lance is your everyday guy more than probably anyone else here because, you know, he's not the number one rated guy. Nope. He's the number five rated guy, four-star guy, so he's, he's renowned, right? But... You know, very grounded coaching staff, very grounded guy, and very grounded situation, a very relatable situation with Lance. And, you know, now that he's getting towards the season, you could get this sense where he's like, you know, he's starting to think like, man, I can do better than KU. I just got to go out there and play and not get hurt. Yeah. And so you can see him talking to the coaching staff a lot about running out of bounds not lowering your shoulder for protecting three yourself. yards and protecting yourself and protecting his future. So like, <clears throat> shout out to the coaching staff one for that. You, you know, for being cognizant of that. I feel like <laughs> oh. going to throw Colorado under the bus. Um, not not any place specifically, 
but you don't always get that kind of understanding, I'd say, from Colorado staffs as far as, like, like they want their quarterback to be protected, but, like, they would rather win a game, I feel, oh, in yeah. a lot of situations. Oh, yeah, so, no, for sure. I mean, Honestly, not that I don't want to win, right? But but here's, but here's but, the thing, though. <laughs> You're a four-star guy. You have D1 offers, so you already know you a D1 FBS Power 5 guy. And so you got a future, you know, whether it's playing football on the next level after that, whether it's getting a very good a very good education at one of those big-time schools, you know, you got to look out for, for yourself. And I could already hear, you know, like if you were to talk to some of the coaches around here or just in general, uh, you'll be like, hey, coach, I think I want to take care of myself and slide and go out of bounds. Then they'll be like, oh, so you don't like playing football anymore? Like That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. They'll be like, so you don't like playing football? You don't like contact? Man, back in my day, back in my day, I tore my ACL and my MCL, and I still <laughs> ran 50 like in pros. Enough, enough, enough. You're right, you're you right, know, though. You're this right. is the next generations of coaches between you and I here, and so I think we both understand that. You, uh, you got to hit a point. And senior year, I think, uh, as a senior, I think this is probably as most appropriate a point as you can hit when it comes to protecting yourself and all that. Because, you know, maybe if you're a junior or sophomore, sure, I could see it. But as a senior, you got to protect the goods here because <laughs> you got to secure that scholarship um, and all that great stuff. And so I respect it. I love that the coaches are on board with it. And they're, in fact, telling him and encouraging him and being like, like, yo, like, look out for your future. Still make the right football plays. Like, you know, whether you run out of bounds or slide or whatever um, won't exactly always affect the game itself. That's more about you. And I I respect that. I like that. And it shows when they do, uh, you know, hop into their first game against Jesuit here. Yeah. And speaking of the coaching staff, <clears throat> there's definitely concerns heading into this first game where, okay, this Warren Easton team is talented, right? Like, there's oh, multiple four-star and three-star recruits. In yep. the secondary, at the linebacker position, at the wide opposition, or maybe not at the wide opposition. I don't quite remember. But there's talent all over this team, and Warren Easton coaches know it, but like they're one of those teams, and we've heard it a thousand times, right, where they're just basically coasting on athleticism. And you can see it in this game quite a bit where... Oh, wait, by the way, before we go into it, they are like leading up into this game. The narrative is that they are contenders, and they are one of the teams that can win state. Just keep that in mind. Yes. So yes. There you that's go. the expectations from not only the community, but the, especially the coaching staff. Yeah. They don't want to fall short this year. For especially sure. with 12, you know, at, at QB. Yeah. But, you know, they finally get to play against a, a Jesuit, and they're definitely more talented, I'd say. Who? The Easton. Easton. Or Ju- oh, Easton. okay, okay. Warren Easton yeah. is definitely more talented. And, you know, they jump out to an early lead, but then. Um, Lance gets sacked, I want to say, like, two or three times in a row. Yeah, he starts like getting between two beat. drives. He gets nailed a few times. Yeah, not and his fault, by the way. Yeah, no, like, there's no time to to rush. And, like, you you, you see, like, a, a hint of, like, his leadership where, like, he's not calling them out, but he's calling them up. Where he talks oh, to yeah. he's like, he goes to his line and he's like, I'm getting killed back there. Guy's like, help me out. For real. Yeah, he's all like, like, don't quit on me now, man. Yeah, don't don't quit quit on me. me. I'm not, like, and I think that that was a great example of, like, the leader that Lance is, you know? Where it's like, he's not going to make you feel bad about it, but he's going to, like, ask you to step up, though. Oh, yeah, and he's also staying true to himself, because I think 
the other bad thing you can do as a leader is if people know who you are, you know, know your personality, and then you try to traverse outside of that. You try to be more than you should be, which is kind of where I feel like Nick is all the time as a leader. I feel like he's being a little bit more than he should be. Lance here knows his spot. You know, and he really leans into who he is, and you could tell that he knows who he is. He's not gonna explode at somebody out of nowhere just to do it, because that's what coaches are telling him to do. Like, nah, like he's gonna, he's gonna do him. He's gonna be chill. He's gonna be like, yo, like I need you right now, you know. But in a chill way, and it might not come off as like the most imposing, but at least as a football player, following this dude into battle on the football field, you could respect that because you know that's who he is. You know what I'm saying? And he ain't lost who he is yet. So let's roll and let's do this thing, right? Absolutely. And, um, you know, I um, I just want to say, you could also see in this game the emphasis of him trying to be more of a pocket QB. Yes. Because he's not trying to run around and do a bunch of extra stuff. Man, Which we are, could, we are really yes. just going to be dropping elbows on one of these QBs here for an entire series. But anyways, yeah. um, you know, they, they, they pull out the win. They pull out the win against Jesuit, um, and there's there's concerns obviously for the line play heading forward into oh, the season. For sure. And you know it's hard to not think about how you know he tore his labrum last year, and then to see him get sacked quite a few times in this opening game against a team that just really isn't like that. I'd say. Um, Like they're not Jesuit is not contenders for the state championship, you know. Like they're they're an okay first test. They'll make the playoffs probably, you know. Yeah, they're tough, but they're not. They should not have been as close to Warren Easton as they were. No. And so there's there's some concerns for sure. Um, Simon, what what are your thoughts about Warren Easton heading forward in this? Yeah, no, there are definitely concerns. I think one of the things that really just stood out to me is just how how out of sync they were. Especially going into that second half. Dropped passes. (sighs) Yeah, dropped passes. I mean, Lance didn't play the cleanest game either, you know. They were just all over the place, and so, you know, it's kind of expected from a first game type of deal. Your first game could go a number of ways. It could be like a Spencer Rattler type of game, you know. You make a statement and all that. Um, Or you just straight up win or lose either one. Or you have one of these games where you win it, but it kind of feels like a loss because of how crazy it kind of just unraveled at the end there and you know lance really was just taking a lot of hits like for what you know he was just taking a lot of hits and it's they're not avoidable unless you just sub him out but you don't want to do that when you're only up by two scores you know so you gotta you know you kind of he just has to rock with that and that's not that's a that's a situation you need to keep in mind keep in mind especially like you said that injury from last year you know he took a lot of hits and it wasn't just that drive where he took like two or three sacks in a row I, I feel like there was a, a drive or two where he continued to take hits you know either after the play or whatever and he's just getting like like pummeled straight up and it's a quick rhythm RPO offense by the way yeah so it's, but he's still getting like, hit like you know it's not it's not like he's clean all the time. Like, he's getting hit out there quite a bit, Yeah, though. no, I'm saying, like, I'm just clarifying for the listeners. It's not like they're asking him to do five-step drops every no, play. No. Like, the plays are fast, and he's still getting rocked. Which should say all you need to know there. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, um, we'll leave that. You know, they still got the dub. Um, but, you know, a lot of things to monitor here. Yes. Between the team, between Lance, all that stuff. 
but I think it's safe to say that Lance really doesn't change as a person. At least in my opinion. I've watched this whole show already. Cody hasn't yet. Uh, but we will get there. But Lance doesn't really change as a person or as a leader as the year goes on. And I think that steady presence, that uh, that, that baseline is what you need. Um, you know, from just in general, you know, from your quarterbacks and from the leaders of your team. You need a guy who will hold the team steady. And I think Lance does a good job there, and that shows here first off, and it's something that will continue down the road here. So, yeah. But, Cody, do you want to talk about Nick? I don't think he had a game. Well, okay. Because he had one last game. Yeah, we didn't really. I'm going to fill in some blanks. So, they had, like, either a game or a scrimmage of some kind. Maybe it was a preseason game. The uh, Knicks team did the Chiefs. Uh, what's their what city? Cardinal Givens. Cardinal Givens Chiefs, and um, they won this game, but they also lost this game because they lost their four-star defensive end. Um, Seemingly for the year. Yeah, it seems for the, he's on crutches, and we don't really see too much of him heading forward. So that's a huge blow to this team, and you know Nick is going to be called upon, and he was just kind of like. At least gameplay style, he kind of reminded me, at least in the first game against an inferior opponent of like a Manziel-esque kind of quarterback who runs around like a lot and then like hucks it downfield quite a bit. That is like the build, I'd say. Not obviously Manziel, way more highly touted, but... Well, body build as well. They, they're kind of Yeah, they're the kind of like the same size, too. Because yeah. Nick is a bit on the shorter side, I think. He's like 5'11", 5'10". 5'11", but he's like built. Yeah, not no, like Not like, you know, okay, not like ripped or anything like that, but, you know, he's No, stout. he's an athlete. He's yeah, an sure, athlete, sure. He's stout. Sure. Yeah. So, and, so we get into episode two, and they don't really... There's not any gameplay in this episode for Cardinal Gibbons. We just get backstory from Nick, who was in a questionable but albeit scary car accident okay where he he flipped it like this car was it looked like a soda can was crushed basically and he was driving back and this was his sophomore year i think they said yes yeah his sophomore year yeah and this car is ravaged and somehow he's like perfectly fine also bro his dad like records him right off this car accident. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah. That would like, bro. Imagine only... if your dad came up to you after you flipped your one car. Well, I don't know. Maybe for Nick, that's like his third or fourth. But you know, <laughs> but imagine your dad comes to you after you flip your car and is all like, "So, so, how are you feeling, Cody? Uh, what's your reaction?" Bro, get that out of my yeah. face, bro. Like, okay, that's some rich people stuff, bro. Like. To, he's like, vlogging. He's like, vlogging. Like, what is that about, dude? What, is, what are you going to post that to Twitter, bro? Like, at, at Nick Scalzo almost <laughs> died tonight. Like, bro. But there are people who do that. That's stupid. I hate that. I Okay, look. Non-football talk. If you do that, screw you. That is so stupid. Like, car accidents, especially for teenagers, kill so many people a year. Also, high schoolers, be careful when you're driving your cars. Stay focused on the road. Anyways, but also and, coming from the dad though, because it wasn't Nick who yeah. was film. It was the dad who was filming. Coming from him, that's that's a little off. I think that is a huge statement as to why Nick is the way that he is sometimes. Because his dad yes. is like so extra about things, and like you and I, we've talked about you know some parents of of players like Malik Henry in the past. Sure, and you know parents are reflected in their kids a little bit depending on you know, what they're doing exactly. And you could see it with Nick Scalzo that, like, his dad is not 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? Conducive to where to to Nick's path, I'd say, as far as like becoming like a better, more complete person who listens. If that makes sense. That's tough, but but am I wrong? No. I'm not going to add on more to that because I don't want to come after his parenting because obviously I I do not have a child yet. Or I do not have a child. That's what matters. I, I mean, do not no, have a child. he's doing whatever he think, thinks is best sure, for his kid, yeah, that's which is fine. all you could do at that's the end fine. of the day. Yeah. And Nick isn't like, you know, he's not like a, a scum of the earth, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's done... As and far as we know. As far as... Oh. <laughs> okay, that, that's not a shot. That's not a shot. I'm just saying, as far yeah, as we no, know. No, no, no. Nick, yeah, yeah. Nick is... He's he's just he's just privileged. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not like he's not saying anything like super out of pocket or anything like that. And he seems like he's all he's an all right guy. You know. But sure. It, there's there's some issues on the football field. I'd say, but like you know, it, there, he's doing Jerry. I think is his name Jerry Scalzo. He's doing his best, but like you know, there there's a time and a place to record people, and it's not right after a life threatening accident. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I don't want to continue the slander or anything like that, because I do not know these people personally, but I'm just gonna throw this out there. This is all reactions, though, and genuine. It is reaction. Yeah, this is, this is how I see it. This is how I see it. So, he did say that he fell asleep at the wheel, and then that's what happened. I'm just gonna be completely honest with you, looking at the car... Looking at how Nick looked, like, if they didn't show that film, if they didn't show that clip of Jerry filming his son after the crash, I probably would have believed Nick a little bit more here when he said it, but I'm just going to be honest with you, I really don't feel like he was falling asleep when it all went down. Like I said, I wasn't there, but this is just how I see it. There's just a lot of things that point in a whole different direction, and you know, you could go ahead and guess that direction, but... You look at the car, you look at Nick's face, and it's four in the morning. Come on now. Do, you know, drive safe out there, drive sober out there. We'll leave it there. Alright? Is there anything else you want to add on to that? Nope. To this episode? I think that does for episode two, and we'll have, we'll actually open up with Nick talking about this next segment in episode three. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stauffer, here with the other host, Simon Villanos. And we are talking about episode three on segment three of our QB1 series. This is season three. And we're going to talk about Nick Scalzo. And he has a very, this is a very Nick-centered episode, I'd say. Simon, would you agree? Yeah, no, for sure. There are obviously things about, like, you know, Spencer, Lance here, but no no games, though. So we're going to go ahead and start talking about um, the second game. I don't know if it's the second game. We still don't know if that first game was a preseason game. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and assume it was, but we're going to talk about the second game here, Cody, if you want to take it away. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, media hype about this Miami Central game. You know, it sounds like they're a very talented team, and, you know, Nick isn't showing that he's worried but and nick is a very polished interviewer by the way and we didn't mention that yet but he's a very polished interviewer and probably you know probably the best interviewer or interviewee i guess on this show that we've seen so far 
Um, but anyways, you know, he, he does a great job of showing respect to the team, but also showing confidence in his own team and his own abilities. And, um, yeah, this game starts off pretty well for, for the Cardinal Gibbons Chiefs, but um, quickly kind of gets out of hand. So Nick is doing his own thing basically this entire game and yes. not in the um not in the good way more in like the no respect for my coaches or coaching staff kind of way because he is just running around like a chicken with his head cut off for like the entire game and he does make some plays he does show off that arm power that you know he is respected for and he is athletic you know he does tuck and run quite a bit and picks up a few yards here and there and it, it works. It works because I think it kind of catches Miami Central off guard initially. But here's here's the thing that I put down that I thought was important. JD checked Spencer in their first game. Yeah. No one on this team is going to check Nick. And that's not going to turn out well for this team. And it's not going to turn out well for Nick, in my opinion. Also, his dad is on the coaching staff, so that includes him as well. Yeah, his dad is the wide receivers coach, I believe. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. And and Nick has a big say on who his receivers are, basically, and who's going to be in the game. And him and his head coach are constantly butting heads on the play calls and on the execution of play calls and basically everything. He almost doesn't throw, like, at all this game, really. I mean, he shows his arm strength off a couple of times, but he's running. Like, I feel like if you compared his pass attempts to his run attempts, he probably had more run attempts. Yeah. By, like, maybe even five snaps, which is kind of goofy for a quote-unquote air raid offense that they were talking about in the first episode. So, you know, and something that I also noticed is, like, when you watch Spencer and you watch Lance, they're game planning on the sidelines a lot. They're talking to their, you know, the other positions. They're talking to their coaches. They're talking to the assistants on what they should do, what they should run coming out, what went wrong with the certain plays, or if they misran a play or miscalled a play. You know, they're talking all that. Nick isn't really talking football other than, God, these these play calls suck, and I'm just going to do my own thing. Is based, like, Yeah, and he, then his dad's like, yep, yep, like, yeah. But that's what he's saying, though. Like, oh, my God. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll get my two cents in later. Yeah. And so, by the time... Okay, then he ends up throwing a couple of picks in this game. And yep. just, honestly, horrible throws. Decision-making and, you know, the throws themselves. Well, okay, if, if you make a good decision, then the throws are fine. But decision-making, for sure. Yes, yes. Showing a lot of nearsightedness and in his throws and his reads. And eventually, you know, he's he does what he's been doing all game, which is tucking and running way too much. And he ends up hurting his shoulder pretty good. They're basically the trainers on the sideline, the coaches on the sideline, and even he thought that his collarbone might have been broken. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ambiguity as to what the rest of Scalzo's season looks like. But Simon, go ahead and react to the rest of this game. And then, you know, talk about the injury what that means kind of for Scouts' recruiting and, and whatnot with that and the outlook for the rest of the season and the team. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So right off the bat, you know, you could tell Nick is just playing completely 
Well, okay, I wouldn't say completely out of control, but he eventually progresses to, to the point where he's doing too much. Playing out of control, he's not even looking at the play, I'll tell you that. You know, it, it looks like he's already made the decision that he's just going to kind of look for the deep guy or try to run with it, and so not not a very high football IQ there. Um, and he's just trying to do too much, and like you said, you know, he's not talking a lot of football on the sideline. Now, that might just be how the show kind of frame that so i'll just leave it there you know but just in general he's just very like i don't know like i'm gonna just do my own thing and put the team on my back and i think it's important to keep this in mind i don't know if it was this episode or maybe in the second or first episode but they try like the show i feel like kind of tries to put the narrative out there that you know oh it's a young offense you have a bunch of young receivers and you know you're trying to get on that same page but i'm gonna be completely honest with you if you're a real one you find a way to make it work you know no other quarterback here whether it's lance spencer and i kind of feel like they don't have that many you know experienced receivers because basically what you're saying at that point is that you have four receivers on each level that grew up with the quarterback like the chances of that happening is already like out there you know and so it's not like out of the blue to be like oh yeah you have maybe two or three freshmen or underclassmen receivers that's fine but i mean you find a way to make it work you're a senior quarterback if you're that dude you make it work you know, and if you don't make it work, it's because you didn't put in enough work and you didn't, you know, keep these receivers. Uh, what is it? You didn't keep these receivers true to their word and, you know, responsible and all that. And obviously you can't be trying to control your play, your teammates and whatnot and keep them accountable. But as a quarterback, that's your job. That's what Spencer does. That's what Lance does. Even Justin Fields did that, even though he was already halfway through the door to whatever, you know. Um, but Nick just didn't do that. And that's why he's a three-star guy. Um, Low-key two-star guy, to be honest with you. Even then, that's a little questionable as well. Um, but just he just wasn't about it. And, you know, for a guy that's definitely the slowest quarterback on the show between Lance and Spencer, he did run a lot for, like, maybe a one-yard game. Mostly negative five yards and losses here. So he was screwing over his team quite a bit. Um, and you could just kind of tell, you know, as the game went on and slowly got out of control, Nick was not going to be that stabilizing force like Lance and Spencer was. Like I said in this last uh, uh, segment here with Spencer, you know, there were a couple of times where his team could have lost. And I truly believe if Nick was that quarterback, <laughs> the first the first chance that came up, they would have lost straight up. And, you know, you could attribute that to Spencer Rattler's talent and all that. But I think that's mostly a mental game, you know. Spencer didn't give up. And, you know, sure, he was saying some out-of-pocket things. But the thing is, even when he was saying that, those things, he was still already more grounded than Nick was and is uh, in this game. And so you kind of just see him unravel. And the team's going to unravel with the quarterback. That's how it is, especially if you give them too much power. You know, coaches, you have to do better. So... There you go, but we'll just leave that there. Anyway, so um, that's really all I gotta say about Nick. We'll have, we'll we'll have more about that. He got hurt. That's what happens when you play, you know, when you play like that. And so nothing, nothing really to to talk about there. I'd say another thing too is like heading into halftime, like so they try and show like the different types of leaders that these QBs are. And Nick's comes off super cliche. 
It kind it comes off fake. Oh, that's a, that's a good thing to because bring up here. because it comes he's off like, fake. hey guys, let's not turn against each other. Like, okay, I don't know. Have you ever seen those uh those Spice Adams videos where he's making fun of the different kind of guys yeah. in the locker room? Yeah. They straight up Nick was in that video. I'm gonna tag him because it's like, come on guys, we still have a chance. And he's not like he's not like even sounding like a leader, but he's like. There is still hope for us to come back in this game. We're gonna get the ball and we're gonna score. Like it's just so cliche to me, and like I couldn't help but like kind of laugh at him trying to lead this team because like he straight up is sounding like an Instagram post. You know what I'm saying? Like it has me. It's <laughs> not genuine. Like people look at that and they're like, "That's not you. That ain't you." What's that meme? <laughs> What's hey, a, you're not that guy. You're not that guy. You're not that guy. That's. <laughs> Trust me, buddy. You're not that guy. Trust me, but yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's the meme, and that's why I mentioned, you know, um, with Lance being the way he is, you know, you could criticize him for being a little bit more soft-spoken and all that. The, at the end of the day, people know he's real, though. Yeah. yeah. As a person, and you could you could mess with that. You know, I could definitely mess with that. Like, all right, you're being yourself. That's fine. Let me help you out because we're a team. Nick here, I, mm, I don't know. Like, I even remember the first time watching this, I was like... Uh, okay, like cool. I like cool. I could say that too. Yeah, no. To be I, honest with you, and it would be more real coming from me than you, though. And that's just because you look at his values, you look at who he is as a person, and it's like it, it, no part of what you just said matches up with who you are as a person. Yeah. Am I no, wrong? And something else that that I want to talk about is also just his environment. You have, in the weeks leading up to this game, you have people from the community. Oh, you just need to take over and play your game. Yep. You know, members of his church are coming up to him like, hey, we're going to be good if you just do your thing. You know what I'm saying? And you have coaches, assistant coaches, strength coaches, uh, teachers that are all telling Nick Scalzo, hey, don't worry about anyone else. You play your game. And that's just not like... That's there, not football. There's, there's some validity to that, right? But not for Nick, right? Who's going to, like... <laughs> He's on the verge of being unhinged anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. obviously, like, if there's confidence issues, then, yeah, you probably want to say, like, we tell that to, to a bunch of players that, you know, it's like, okay, if, like, they're having these issues, like, just do trust in your arm on, like, throws or something. Nick doesn't need that. He doesn't, he needs to be grounded instead. And no one on this football, the other players are even like, we'll be fine once you take over. Like, but it's like you can't. His, his bro. teammates are telling him this. His coaches exactly. are telling him this. The community is telling him this, and it's like that's none of that is what he needs to hear. No, at all. And so that's it's, like what he needs to hear is, hey, run the f play, or run the play and get me the ball if I'm the receiver. Stop running around and looking like an idiot. Throw the slant route and let me do my job because I'm getting pissed off watching you act like a f***ing idiot out here. But that's that's what it is. Like it's frustrating. Like it's frustrating to watch this dude play. Like, as a defensive guy, I look at this guy and I'm like, oh, let's hit him three times and he's done. That's what I'm thinking right off the bat. I'm like, let's go ahead, let's knock this fool on his bottom, and he ain't going to be the same. He's going to be trying to do too much. And that's a perfect game for us because as a defensive guy, chaos is everything. We'll take the chaos because, you know, it takes the great ones to pull their teams out of that and make something happen. He ain't that guy. As, as a coach, it's frustrating to watch because, like, you know, I, I've... With, with my quarterbacks, there was definitely some growing pains, I'd say. But they were freshmen. Yes. They were freshmen, and they weren't acting like this. Yeah, Nick they, is an 18-year-old man. Yeah. And and I was coaching 14-year-old boys, 
You know, and they're like they had a level a more level head than than Nick. Like they could follow a play more. You know what I'm saying? And like that there is there is respect between my players and myself and even, you know, the rest of the coaching staff where I was at and the players as well. There is no respect between Nick and this head coach. And that's just not gonna work going either way. Like Spencer no. obviously respects his OC a lot. And his OC respects Spencer. And they yep. talk and they communicate and they work together. Yep. Has signs of a good team. Lan- uh, head Lajon. coach too, though. Head coach yeah, too. Yeah, the head coach too. No, head no coach doubt. Too as no well. doubt. No. Yeah. I, I just, I only said the OC because you see their interaction. Yeah, they're closer more. for sure. Yeah, they're closer. And like with Lejean, you know, you have the, the quarterbacks coach specifically. Um, does he also call the plays, I think, actually? Are you talking about Munchie? Yeah, Munchie. Lego. Uh, I'm, He's I'm definitely sure. a part of the play calling. Yeah, but it's sure. not just him. Like it's well, him and like, all the other coaches too, though. Yeah, no, no, no. You it's know? all. I'm. I'm just saying. Like, there's actually a relationship there, and then you know that works with all the other coaches. Oh my too. bad. You're right. You're yeah, right. like yeah. there's actually a relationship. There's respect. There's communication. Nick just comes over to the sideline. He's like, "What the hell was that play? I'm just going to start calling my own plays." And his coach doesn't even talk to him. First off. Like, his coach, it doesn't ever engage him. He's not confrontational enough to handle Nick Scalzo as a quarterback. And then his dad is like, yeah, take over the game. Call your own plays. And so there's like, oh, my gosh. Well, we'll talk a little bit more yeah, about that Yeah, we need to stem game. this right here, but, but we'll, we'll get there. Nick, there's a lot of concerns for Cardinal Gibbons Chiefs. Nick is injured. We'll see where this goes on the next episode is when we're, like, the next episode of the Playmakers Corner with the QB1 series. We'll but talk also the more. next episode. But also the next episode. Well, the next episode yeah, yeah, that we yeah. talk about, but this is this is the last segment for this yeah, episode. Yeah, for so. sure, for sure. Um, and it's game two. Yes. <laughs> so it's game two, and that's there's uh, there's more than enough red flags here. And we've seen Last Chance U, and even Ryan Mackey was, like, terrible, you know? But, like, it, it was... And, and, okay. At least he ran plays. Yeah, but it was never to the point where it's like, oh, this is... It's already bad. You know, yeah, and that's a different situation. You have an older coaching staff, Mackie. I mean, I, I kind of feel like he's not that much older. He might have been maybe a year or two years older than Nick, but which is the crazy part. But you just got to keep that in mind with Juco players, they're basically teenagers, too. And so, I don't think it's that far off to compare a Ryan Mackie to a Nick Scalzo, yeah. So, but whatever, let's talk about the other guys. Yeah, really on a less it. serious note. Spencer was just a high schooler in this episode, and it He's was just probably, entertaining to watch. It was one of my f- more favorite episodes oh, because, yeah. I mean, this dude talks smack everywhere he goes, bro. It's bowling, <laughs> bowling, volleyball, volleyball games, like in bowling, and you get to we get to learn about his girlfriend. Um, I don't Is remember it Olivia or no, that's no, his sister's. That's... <laughs> hey, 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 hey. No, 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 don't take it. Just go on. We're Anyways. keeping that in. We're keeping that in. Anyways, but, you know, it talks about his girlfriend, and I, I looked it up during the episode, and they're still together. I'm I'm blanking on her name. So, you know, that's cool, and, like, his sister and his girlfriend have a great relationship, you know. Like, family's important to Spencer. Friendships are important to Spencer. And you see it in, in his day-to-day kind of life, you know. So, you know, that that's cool to see. It's chill to see. And, um, you know, the volleyball game, he's talking, like, just as much... It, he's talking smack like he's down there on the court. And it's it's great. Yeah, um, for sure. You love seeing him support, you know, his sister, too. That's always a good thing. Also, uh, Nico Mannion sighting. Nico Mannion was sitting right next to Spencer Rattler. And also, I know I 
I guess this is a football podcast, so if you're a football guy, maybe you don't know who that even is. But Nico Mannion's a big hooper, um, was on Ball is Life, all that great stuff, you know, all those uh, hype basketball highlight reels. One of the best shooters in the country in in hoops, obviously, a couple of years ago and whatnot. And I think right now, he's on the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry. He was actually considered to be a, you know, a, a steal. But Nico Mannion in the building with Spencer Rattler. And I don't think this is the last time we see Nico Mannion either. Which is really cool seeing like uh, the type of elite athletes around Spencer and you know in, in this school in general. Which is once again a public school. They're not a, pri- a private school. So cool stuff. But Yeah Nico Mannion sighting everybody. Yeah. And He's then, the guy with the red hair by the way. But anyways go on. Yes. yes. <laughs> if you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of it for Spencer's bit. Genuine guy, you know, nothing that we don't kind of already suspect. Was this the water gun episode two? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm spoiling it. But it's that thing where you have a target and you're trying to get your guy. Oh, I think this was the water gun episode. And he had one of the D linemen and he's like setting it up so hard. Oh, um, it was great. It was perfect. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. He found out that the D lineman, his target was going to in and out He's like, uh, shoot, I'm kind of hungry. Where are y'all going? I'm, maybe some like In N Out or Wendy's. Like he gives two options, and the D lineman's like, "Oh, I'm already going to In N Out." He's like, <laughs> "He's like, oh, okay, I'll see you there." And then he goes inside the car. He's like, "I'm gonna get him, bro. <laughs> I got him right where I want wow. him." The hilarious part was that he got him and everything on video, and then he just left. And he yeah, he didn't, didn't even get, get food, food with him. him. He just left. He was like, "All right, man, I'll see you later." And I'm like, "Dang, he okay?" Yeah, I'll put on the pool float. He's like. And his, his girlfriend's all like, they're gonna know something's going on. He's like, no, I'm just buff like that. And it reminded me of, like, that Spongebob episode where he has, like, the inflatable yeah, arms, yeah, yeah. bro. Um, I feel bad for the next guy who tugs down to me. I I would very much watch a Spencer Rattler reality TV show a la Ball in the Life, like the Ball Brothers. Because that's a hilarious show, by the way. But anyways, I... Loved it. Love to see it. But let's talk about Lance here. Let's, so let's talk the less. Let's keep the less serious and then end on the more serious. Okay. How about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. So this dude Lance is trying to get his license. Simon, <laughs> Simon okay. Okay. Because he sent the scene so perfectly. <laughs> okay. So when you watch the scene, you don't know quite what's going on yet. I think you kind of assume that Lance is in the car, but they pan over to somebody in a car. Um, and it's a parallel parking situation. The guy is trying to parallel park between two cars on a street. And and we thought it was Lance. And this is what happened. We The only reason we didn't know is because they panned over to Lance, who was waiting on the sidewalk, which was kind of a significant... You know, he, he, was, he was pretty far away, I would say. He wasn't right there. And for good reason, too, because this guy... The driving instructor. <laughs> the driving instructor is what it is because he's basically taking uh, the test to get his license and all that great stuff, which I remember how that was. But this guy, basically, the driving instructor, is trying to parallel park and he backs up the car onto the sidewalk. And there's a significant <laughs> there's difference. There's a big curve. Oh, yeah. It's not like a like it doesn't blend into like the road at all. It's definitely a curb and it's definitely a road. And <laughs> half of the car is on the sidewalk. By the end of the thing, and I'm like, bro, are you going to fix it? Like, your car is, like, sideways right now. And Lance is just sitting there like, man, bro, I'm nervous for this driving test. No, if I'm the guy, I'm like, if I'm Lance, if I'm Lance, that is, I'm like, 
So, so this is the guy that's gonna decide whether I get my driver's license, license or not. Because you might as well give it to me now if that's how you go park. <laughs> like, he doesn't even try to parallel park. Like, he just, like, pulls up just a little bit and then backs up into the sidewalk. Hard as heck. And is like, our son, you, you ready to get your license, son? <laughs> and he's like, Lance is just sitting there, like, like an office moment. Like, yep. And one I of his homeboys is with him, too. Which is and interesting. They're, just, they're looking at each other like, did this dude really just park on the sidewalk? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But also, that is interesting because I didn't know you could do that or. I don't think it's one of his parents or like his uncle. No, I think it's one of his teammates. Yeah, which I think it's like one of his wideouts or something or cornerback. Yeah, which I don't know. I I kind of thought that was illegal because it could only be you and the you know, I don't know. But I guess the camera crew was in there too. But whatever, whatever, that happened. <laughs> in the end, <laughs> that happened. Lance still got his license. He did. So that was cool to watch, you know, a little bit of nostalgia brewing up. Yeah, and, uh, missed and a couple turns, but I mean, you know, if you're yeah, gonna park got, on what, the sidewalk, eighty eight, I think they said, or like a, it was like a hundred eighty. And you need yeah. like below an eighty, above, above, or an above, above. <laughs> below an eighty to fail. Yeah, 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 above and then, an eighty. You know, Simon and I got talked about our license, and uh, no need to brag, but. I didn't get a single point marked down on my first driving test, so... Yeah, uh, I, I definitely did, and then got more <laughs> points marked down when I retook it in Pueblo, so shout out to Colorado Springs for being the way it is. <laughs> we'll leave it there! Yeah, we'll leave, we'll it, leave there, it there, but, uh, but yeah. yeah no, no need to brag, but I'm probably the best driver on the planet. Anyways, um, Lance gets his license. I think Fit that driving instructor's up there, Cody. <laughs> he may be goaded, he may be goaded. <laughs> And it was really, it, it was a nice feel, a good vibe. Uh, like, I feel yeah. like that guy's been in the neighborhood, and, you know, yeah. they, they, they're close. They have a good community down there. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice the first, like, I've, I've watched the show a handful of times, and this was the first time I noticed that this dude literally parked half of his car on the sidewalk before taking Lance out on his driveway. Yeah, I test. thought that was Lance oh for God. sure or something, I don't know. But Lance gets his license, feel-good moments, right? But very then, good, very good. I, I won't say but then because we're kind of saying it out of order. But the more notable thing, and arguably the biggest news of this entire episode, other than Nick getting injured and us not knowing what the injury is, is Lance Lejean decommits from Kansas. Which isn't surprising. They were hinting I at it pretty hard through yeah. two episodes, but it's still massive news. Yeah, and if you're a football fan, you know... You know what Kansas is. Let's be honest. You know what Kansas is. If you're They're not, not going a good play basketball, then what are you going there for? Yeah, and they've never really been a good program. So shout out to Keep Talib and Chris Harris for being two of the only good Kansas football players ever. But anyways, I thought Chris Harris was from State. No, KU. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But he decommits, and he has a bunch of Power Five offers. We're talking FSU, Florida. LSU. Well, oh, LSU wait, 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 isn't wait. offered him. Sorry, they haven't they're offered him. They're showing him yeah. interest, but, but FS, they haven't offered him. Yeah, FSU. Sorry, Florida State offered him, and then I think another one. Maryland might have offered at this point. Yes, Maryland offered. Yeah. Oh, one other thing. Tennessee offered him only if he wants to play wide receiver, and this is the same bourgeois that, you know, Simon and I, back when this was the cycle, were calling out the NFL for and the whole Lamar Jackson thing. And it just it just shows you what the old culture of football is still alive and well, and that's not a good thing for the progress of the sport. And so Tennessee, yeah. they're just going to be trash. 
because they missed out on the Lance sweepstakes because they wanted him to play wide receiver for, like, really no reason, even though he's a four-star QB. Yeah. And I guess you do see a lot of four-stars make that transition, but to offer it right off the bat is very off-putting, especially if you know that Alabama and all these other teams in your conference, Tennessee, in the SEC, is offering him as a quarterback, but you want to be the one that stands out and offer him as a receiver. What are you... That's that's why you haven't had a winning season in, like, 10 years. Since... Bro, you guys haven't been relevant since Manning was there. Well, Alvin for, Kamara, but, you know... Whatever. Whatever. But that's why Tennessee never is going to be good again. And UT, the University of Texas, will always be the real UT. No matter how bad... No matter how bad UT gets, we're always going to be better than Tennessee. Best believe that. Anyways, I think that wraps up this episode. Yeah, there is there's one scene that... Uh, Simon and I were laughing really hard at when his mom and uncle were kind of oh, getting into it about like almost his, his mom right. wants to move where basically like wherever with Lance goes, and so Lance like you could tell that from his body language that he's not really comfortable with that, but he does the the safe answer right because okay we've all been in that situation where your mom is kind of dogging you on something. And he just does his best to, like, not really give her an answer. <laughs> he's like, he says, um, she's like, do you want me to move with you or not? He's like, that's really far away. I don't even know where I'm going. She's like, well, you were fine with it last year. He's like, I don't know what the future holds. Like, he's just being very, um, what's the word non Non-committal. Yeah, very non-committal about it. And his uncle is like, bro, he doesn't want you to, like, he's a grown man. He doesn't want you to go with him. Yeah. And she's like, well, of course he does, you know, because she's a mom. That's what she's supposed yeah. to do. And then Lance, like, looks at the camera like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, out of all the character, out of all the players here, Lance would fit the best o- on the office because they're, and just his team in general, because I don't know if we mentioned this in the first episode, but Lance was doing some crazy, you know, he was dancing around during the pro day and then, <laughs> and then it, it pants over to his teammate who's like watching Lance and then just looks right at the camera <laughs> with like, like a straight face. <laughs> it is all, and it's like a gym moment. Right? <laughs> right there. Oh my god. Oh, you, you have to watch this show. It's a really funny show along with a lot of good athletics and stuff yeah. all together. So, um, feeling really good about this season. So, stay tuned for next episode where we're going to find out what is the status of Nick. Yeah. What is the recruiting journey looking like for Lance? And um, what's the news coming up? There's not really a whole lot of news coming up with Spencer. He has another game. So just staying tuned for Spencer Rattler's overall journey on his quest for a state championship. Yep. And, you know, that does it for this episode in our QB1 series. I have been your host, Cody Stoffer. I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos. And make sure to follow us on social media, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, make sure to send DMs and, you know, tell us what you think about QB1 and share some of your stories and see if we react to them. So that does for this episode and peace.